Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, guys, if we are ready for the word, we're going to be in the book of Romans today. And the title of today's message is, It's All Good. It is all good. Man, you know, that's something that, you know, we kind of just say whenever we just want to let people know, listen, hey, don't worry about it. You know, um, you know I, I hear a lot of that from Pastor Ethan. You know, he, he lets me know it's all good. It's one of his favorite sayings. It's all good. But, you know, that's something that God wants us to know as well. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But, you know, I got to thinking, you know, sometimes, you know, we just need to hear, you know, man, you know, things are going to be okay. You know, God, you know, you know, things, things are going to work out. Sometimes it's just good to hear that, you know, it's, it's all good, right? It's all good. We're going to talk about that in a moment. In fact, I want you to go ahead and turn to, the, uh, turn to Romans chapter 8. And um, uh, while you're looking for that, uh, let me talk a little bit about Romans. Romans uh, is uh, considered one of Paul's greatest pieces of work that he has put together. When you look at all the letters that he has written, it is, if not one of the best, it is the best um, letter that he has written that's recorded in the New Testament. And the Roman church, which was local Jesus gatherings in Rome, were made up of people that were just like us. People who um, come from different backgrounds, who not all were just the same, but they were all brought together all because of one thing, that being Jesus. And because they had different backgrounds, they had different ways on how they saw that they should follow Jesus. And uh, this was probably one of the reasons, maybe other reasons why Jesus, or, or, I'm sorry, why Paul felt like these Christians needed a strong dose of basic gospel doctrine. And um, as I said before, we're no different from the people that Paul was writing to. We, as believers, I believe that we too need to know the gospel in its basic form. And when we read the book of Romans or any book in the Bible, we should read it as if it was written to us and as if it was written for our time. Because while it, is, while it was written to them, God knew that he would need it in our time as well. So uh, in uh, Romans 8, uh, Paul is reminding us of a few things. Well, in the book of Romans, it's, 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 it's a picture in helping us understand what sin was and what... And, 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 and how it separated us from God, but then how we are justified from sin, justified meaning just as I, I, just as I have never sinned, and then how we are saved from eternal damnation through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and if we place our faith in Jesus, that we would be born again to, um, with a new life with Christ that we are called by God to live out. And in Romans 8, uh, Paul reminds us that we are no longer defined by that sin, and instead, we have a new identity in Christ, and uh, with that, it gives us the power to live for God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us, it says that, 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 that it, it's like this new spiritual DNA 
that cries out to God. It identifies us with God, letting him know that we have a father in heaven. It says that he cries out, Abba, Father, on the inside of us. And uh, it continues on, and, and, um, but leading up to the verse we're going to be at, in verse 18 through 25, it also talks about, Paul talks about how, how creation groans, how it yearns and it longs to be restored with God. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we too yearn and long for the day that we're going to be restored with God in heaven. It makes me think, when I, you know, as I was reading that, it, it, it just made me, it made me think about the importance of keeping heaven on our radar. You know, the Holy Spirit, he is yearning on the inside of it, and it reminds us that in the midst of life, it's important, and almost the Bible almost encourages us to consider and to remember that there's going to be a day that God's going to make it all right. Amen? That that is a day that we should keep on our radar. But until that day comes, we live in a thing called life, and uh, it is a life that has not yet been, been redeemed. Therefore, we face hardship and suffering. We face good days and bad days. We face suffering along the way. We, have, we encounter easy situations and hard situations, wins and losses. However we lay it out, we, we go through a life that has its ups and downs. But we receive a promise. And what I love about the Word of God is, it, is that it gives us, God gives us promises. And these are promises that we can take to the bank. And the promise that He gives us is in verse 28, in Romans chapter 8, verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. So let's go ahead and read it real fast. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, this is a scripture that if you've been in church long enough, you have heard. You may even have it up on the walls of your home. You've encountered it. You probably already have it highlighted in your Bible. And this is a great verse that brings comfort to the believer, but it's for a specific way, and it's because it's something that, that, that speaks to the very thing that it allows us to grab a hold of it and say things are going to be okay. We're going to look at it from three different vantage points. From three, from the, this verse speaks about three different people. The first person it speaks about is God. It says here, it says, God causes all things. When you look at that and you read in between the lines, you see a God who is bigger and outside of the things that we face in life. There are things that are, that, that are things that just happen, you know? There are things that just happen in life. And whenever those things happen, it, we have this picture of God who was outside of those things, who is not tailored to the things that we are tailored to. It's a God who is sovereign. Sovereign means that God reigns over all. I think it's really cool. Sovereign, is, it, it, it comes from the word Lord, which means that he is that he reigns over all things. It's his title. It's his job. 
It's really interesting to think about God having a job, but he does have one. He reigns over everything in the universe, over all things. He reigns over our galaxy. He reigns over our solar system, making sure that we have our winter, spring, summer, fall. He makes sure that things are on its proper rotation. He is the one who keeps it all together. While at the same time, he is also aware of the very things that are happening in your life. I think it's so cool that this God, God that we serve, is aware, he controls all those things while at the same time aware of the things that are happening in my life, aware of the things that are happening in your life and everyone in the world. That's, that's a big job that he has. He has a big job that he has to take care of, but he does it with ease. And he looks at the things that are going on in your life, and it says not just some things. It says everything, all things. He is, he is concerned about them. He thinks about them. He is aware of them, and he knows about them. God, he cares. He is not like kings of past who have come through, who reigned in their kingdom, yet did so from a distance. He's a God, while he reigns over all these things, he is connected and he is involved. He's aware and he is getting involved with what is going on. That is who God is. And if you continue reading, it says that he causes all things to work together. Not only is God involved, but he is working the things out in your life. He, he is reshaping them. That's the best way I could think about it. I was thinking, you know, working together, what does that look like? I imagine God taking things, taking the good, taking the bad, taking the things in between and putting them together. And he's reshaping that. He's molding it and he's working it, to, he's working it together. What is he doing? He's making it better. He's taking our suffering, he's taking our hurt, he's taking our pain, he's taking our disappointments, he's taking the things that we weren't expecting, and he is working them together into something better. You know, uh, you know moving here to Southeast Texas has been a great thing for me because you guys have taught me, you know, how to use a DeWalt drill, you know? <laughs> You know, you taught me how to take something and work on it and make it better. You know, you taught me how to do a lot of things. Well, you know, I remember when we, when we were in Kenya a couple of months ago, Pastor Steve and Nancy, man, we, we had so much fun with you guys. I know you're watching. And uh, we were in Gyoto, and we built 10 homes for families that would have never had otherwise. I think that's so cool. And I remember we were working on a home, and I was, I was with Team Brack. Team Brack, Brack Presley, you know, he owns a construction company in our, you know, in our community. And, and you know, I was on Team Brack and, you know, uh, you know, I was working with one of the, the construction workers there in, in you know, uh, there in Kenya, in Kyoto. And he had to, you know, he had to go take care of something. He, you know, he left me with, you know, with this unfinished wall. And I thought, man, man, I need to do something about this. So, you know what? I picked up that hammer. I picked up that nail, and I got to hammering. You know, bang, bang, bang. And, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just going at this thing. Well, right about the time I finished, you know, Brack you know, came around, and he came to look at it, and I took a step back to look at it. I'm real proud of it. Man, that side was all crooked as it could be, man. I was like, oh, no, man. I'm over here thinking I'm doing something better, taking something that was needed to be better. Man, I made it worse, you know? 
Man, I'm so glad that I'm not God. Amen? I am so glad that I'm not the one responsible for making things better in your life. But God is. God, when he gets his hands on something, he makes it better. When he gets his hands on something, I don't have to worry about him getting anything crooked. I don't have to worry about him messing anything up because he's a God that does not mess things up. Amen. He's a God who's going to put his hands on it. He's going to make it better. He's going to take the good. He's going to take the bad and he's going to get it together. He's going to start working on it. You know, uh, Pastor Ron said something this past Wednesday, and I don't think it's the first time he said it, but it just struck me a certain way. You know, he said that if things are bad, it means that God is not finished. Man, that is something important to remember, that God is working in our life. He is taking those things, and he is working them together. Amen? Amen. And not only is he working them, he has a goal. And it says that he's working them for what? For good. He's working them for good. Now, you may wonder, I mean, good, well, what do you mean by good. Well, there, that word good is the word agathos in Greek, and it means to benefit, to profit, or to be useful. God, when he gets his hands on the things that are happening in our life, he begins reshaping those circumstances, reshaping what is in our life, and he begins to make them beneficial. You see, the things that were once meant for harm and hurt for us become beneficial, profitable, and useful in the hands of God. When he gets a hold of them, he begins to work out for something good. Now, I like to think of these things we're talking about as ingredients. I uh, got a little table here, and you know, when we take a look at some ingredients. These are things that you may have at your house. You know, let's think, uh, you know, flour. You know, flour is good. You know, we all got flour in our home. You know, it's good. We got flour in our life. But, th- you know, this is not something that you sit down and start eating a spoonful of flour. You know what I mean? It's not, that's not something you do. You know, you'll balloon up real fast. You know, we, <laughs> we all like sugar. Sugar's good. You know, but... I did eat some sugar sandwiches when I was a kid, but sugar is not something that we probably are going to be eating, you know. Uh, what about bacon powder? Bacon powder, I've never tried it on its own, but I don't think that uh, you're going to be putting a side of bacon powder on your kid's plate for them to eat, okay? Eggs are good, okay? I personally don't eat eggs on their own. Some people may. Uh, salt. Salt is good. It's good, but uh, I personally hope that you're not eating salt on its own, okay? Uh, Vanilla extract, good stuff. That might be a way too much right there, okay? Okay? Hey, listen, I know that there are some people who drink milk, okay? But uh, I used to be a milk guy, but, uh, you know, I may eat it with something, but I don't really drink it. I, I know some people do, um, you know, and maybe that's you and that's okay, you know. Uh, and then you got butter, okay? 
Butter is good. You know, uh, my wife told me when she was a kid she used to eat sticks of butter. Please don't do that. I don't think that's good for you. Okay? Now, when you get all these things, I mean, these are not things that you would eat on their own, but it's something different whenever you begin to put them together and you begin to mix them, you begin to work them together, something happens. You begin to get these things into a bowl and you begin to work them. And you begin to work on it, and then you begin to put them into a mold, and then you put them inside of the oven. And then what happens is that once you do that, and you get it in the oven, you apply some heat, and you apply some pressure, all of a sudden it turns into something good. Doesn't that look good right there? I mean, I did that fast, huh? (laughs) It turns into something profitable. It turns into something beneficial, something useful. This is something that you want. This is something that I want. It becomes something. And, you know, I believe that God does the same thing as he takes the things in our life that we probably won't prescribe to. These are, you know, the things that, that the, the circumstances are not something that we necessarily want for our life. They're not something that we're asking God for. But God takes those things individually. He begins to put them into, into a bowl. He begins to mix them together. And next thing you know, God begins to turn it into something that is good. Amen? Amen? That is what God does. Now, this is where we get to the second person. Because he continues on and he says, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Those who love God. You know, I love, I think it's so cool that the Bible refers to us as believers as those who love God. Isn't that cool? Who are those who love God? It's those who have placed their faith in Christ and received him as Lord. We're talking about us. Those of us who have placed our faith in him, how do we know we love God? Jesus says that if you obey my commandments, then you, then I know that you love me. You know, my wife has a right to look at my life to see if there's proof that I love her. She has that right. In the same way, if we love God, it will be shown with our lives. There's not one person here who loves God that God did not love first. God, the reason why we have the ability to love God is because he first loved us, went to the cross, paid for the price that we could not pay so that we could receive salvation. Listen, let me tell you that the promise, this promise is for you. It's for your life to know that God, he is taking the unwanted circumstances in your life and he is molding them, he's shaping them, And he is turning them into something that is good, that is profitable, that is beneficial, something that is of value, that is useful in the hands of God. God, he is thinking about you. He knows what is good for you. You know, my kids, they think what's good for them. They think they know what's good for them. Man, when they come home from school, the only thing they want is they want some candy inside of their ice cream with chocolate drizzle on top, and they want to take that and then have some popcorn on the side. And they want that every day. Okay? They, you know, listen, they think they know what's best for them. But you know what? I know. I know what's best for them. 
as their father. You know, as parents, you know what's best for your kids. And the same way God knows what's best for us is to let us know that sometimes what we think what is good and what we want for us right now may not be what's best for us. God, he sees further down the road. God, he is working it for your good. Amen? But there's a third person that this scripture indirectly speaks about. That third person, first was God, second was us as believers, and that third person is the person who, is, who, the person who does not yet know Jesus. Why? Well, with regard to how difficult things may be for us as believers, none of us are worse off than the person who is outside of Christ. While we have hope, there is no hope for them yet. You see, I believe, let's, let's just read the scripture in its, in, its full, um, in its full. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? He has one. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a purpose with what he's working with in your life. I believe that that purpose is that those who are in your life that don't know Jesus will see what Jesus has done in your life and that they will want it for themselves as well. God is looking beyond just what is good for us in the moment, and he's thinking about the people who don't have it good yet. He's thinking about the people. He's thinking about he, he, God. He is wanting, he's wanting to reach our family, our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers through us. While he is thinking about your good, and he is, he is working it for your good, he's also thinking about the promise to be for those in our life that are yet to be reached. I love that God was thinking about me when I didn't know Jesus. I'm so glad that he was thinking about you whenever you didn't know Jesus. And in the same way, he's thinking about those in our life who are yet to receive Christ. I believe that there's somebody in your life who's ready to be born again. Amen? You remember whenever you were ready to be born again? You remember whenever you were ready to be saved? That's that person in your life. God, he who is sovereign, is reshaping the circumstances in your life for good and benefit for you and also for someone else in your life. Amen? couple takeaways. Number one, when things are difficult, number one, let us be determined to trust God. Let's be determined that we are going to trust God regardless of what the circumstance looks like. Regardless of how difficult it is, let us be determined that we are going to trust in God. You know, Dean Brinkley, he spoke in the first service this morning, and he said something that spoke to me as well and said um, that concerning the uncertainties in life, that we should also pair them with the things that we are certain of. Rather than only looking at the uncertainties, there are some things that we are certain of. And one thing that we are certain of is that God, He is in control. We can trust in God. We can trust in Him. He is big enough. He is strong enough. He is in control. It is his job for us to go to him when we are in need. Amen. 
God can be trusted, and God is not finished yet. When things are not going well, let us remember that God is not finished. He is getting it in his hands, and he is working that thing out. He is making it work, and he's got something in mind. He is working it for your good. Amen? He has your good in mind. And number two, let us be willing to share Jesus with others. Man, I'm so thankful, so thankful for Jenny Metter that she reached out to me when I kept saying no to her. I'm so thankful, for, man. She used to invite me in church all the time, and I just kept telling her no. I'm so thankful. God was thinking about me. He was thinking about me. And, you know, she had a whole lot on her plate. Her mom was going through health issues. Her dad had health issues. But during that time, she was still reaching out to me. And thank God that she did. You know, what you are going through, God will never let it go to waste. He's going to take it, and he's going to work it together. And he's going to use it not only for you, but for someone else. Let us remind ourselves that no matter how difficult life may be, it is not as hopeless for the person outside of Christ. And there is one person, there is somebody in your life that is ready to receive Jesus. Amen? Well, listen, today, let us be encouraged. Let us be encouraged that God, he is in control of what is going on in our life. He knows what it is, and he has it in his hands. He is working for good, and he is going to do it because that is what he does. Amen? Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.